0: Hello Biblivores, so without any pause or hesitation you're listening to Radio Bookworm on dot radiointernationalcom or more likely you're listening to us on the podcast. So we went to Nine Worlds and I'm going to say hello to Ed from the past and he's going to present the show. Yes, uh, thank you Ed from the future um, for saying hello. Um, so, we are at Nine Worlds. Yay! Um, Yay! We, we, which is a, um, a convention that we go on about a lot in this show, actually, because we really like it. It is awesome. Um, uh, I am, of course, your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm the co-host, Rampor Swift, And we're here with... Producer! And we have some lovely guests. Hi. Hello. Hello. Introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. I'm Edward Cox, the author of the Relic Guild and the
1: Cathedral of Known Things. And I'm known as along Womble on Twitter. You're Runalong Womble. And yes, yeah. I found that out this morning as well, this afternoon rather. It's the future, it doesn't matter what time it is. <laughs> so,
0: so usually at this point in the show, um, we would have some, some jingles and some methods. but um, I, th- those of you who are used to the, the usual nonsense have realised that you know, it's a live broadcast show, so we might insert some, some jingles and some nonsense and some around about here. But we probably won't and I'll just add to the hilarity. Um, so uh, first item of play um, last night was the Gamel Awards the Gamel Awards yeah so how Good. go goodness me does anyone have any idea who won I went yes how did it go well um,
1: I have to remember first um, <laughs> I think I think the, show, it, the the turnout could have been better it would have been nice to see that because I, I got long listed for the Gemmell Awards this mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. but didn't make a short list mm-hmm. so you know I, I was my intention was to get drunk and storm the stage when everybody was winning but sadly the people that won won attending the con- convention so yeah. there was people very nice people in the industry um, Bella Pagan Simon Spanton um, they were accepting the awards on behalf of Um, of other people so
2: did
1: any of
2: the winners
1: make it no sadly but you know um, Brandon Sanderson I think won the best cover
0: Um, there's a there's a lot of grumbling as I was running around Vance this morning there was a lot of grumbling from from Vance and it's not about Brandon Sanderson it's an epic fantasy award if you think epic fantasy you think Brandon Sanderson yeah you know that makes perfect sense well a lot of people grumbling about the covers because I think there's an expectation certainly in the UK that covers are judged on how good the cover is. Yeah. Um, and we have stuff like the Kichyess inky Technical Award and a bunch yeah. of other, you know, a bunch of other societies do do cover awards and it's never a popularity contest. People people put their the, the office they like to one side and just go oh pretty and, and page true and you know it's normally the prettiest wins or you know the one of the biggest spaceship. Yeah. Or the one with the most bottoms on it. So I'm, con-
3: <laughs> so I'm confused. Have we turned around an old adage and said, Never judge a cover by its book? Yes.
0: Yeah. Well
3: done. Well,
4: well, well, done.
0: But yes, the Rand Sanderson cover won, and it will probably be roughly on Twitter around about the time that you hear the show. But um, yeah, it's not the most inspiring cover. You see, I like the design of it. I do. I was
1: sitting um, with my friend watching. And we had the books open and we were sort of nudging each other which one are you going to go for and I picked out Brandon Sanderson to, to, to win that but you know with, with the Gamel Awards you've got something which is for heroic slash epic fantasy and I think that there's kind of something gamelesque esque in all the covers that's kind of going in there so I, you know you've got this warrior on the front which is a big tradition in heroic fantasy so yeah I, I quite like I quite like Brian Sanderson's cover designs.
0: Mm. I, I like that the, the awards themselves are kind of epic in in, in their actual physicality, because one of them is an axe. Yeah, yeah
3: I, it's so metal. Yeah, like, Graham <laughs> <laughs>
0: McNeil won uh, for Empire mm. uh, for his book Empire, won again once a couple of years ago, and he was saying that he, he put it on his he put it on you know the, the wall of his house with his other awards, and he turned around. And it immediately fell off the wall and embedded itself into the floor. It was just like, <laughs> 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 we'll put that something side. And, and, and his next, his next move was to uh, to, to get a log and to, to put because there's always someone in a in a Gemmel book who's cutting wood and being manly, and, yeah. and so there's this. That sort of thing. But I, I kind of I, I don't know, I like the more interactive sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. I like the more interactive physicality awards. Yeah, yeah, you get like a little little piece of plastic with your name on it. It's nice you yeah, get like an axe.
1: axe well this is the thing I, I was surprised by it because I was expecting something a, a replica a small replica axe no more than a foot long but it's not it's a proper double a headed axe, axe. it's great wasn't it? yeah. and just think of the
3: applications if you won this award and you'd gone to say um, see the Nightmare Life show that oh. earlier, you could recreate one of the scenes where you got a swinging axe <laughs> challenge as you try to get yeah. to your uh, next award or just out of the door or something
2: so one thing that wasn't clear to me because I sort of went to the first five minutes and then had to leave to go to another session um, are the awards the same design each year or do they change?
1: I think one of them changed this year the Morning Star Award for Best Newcomer changed I think I think before it was like a glass thing with a star on top It
0: looked a bit pants.
1: But now it's this awesome model of the game and character Skill Gannon, with the sort of night and day sort of coming at you with that you know, shaved sides and long mane down the middle, and it looks really, really cool. Detachable swords. Detachable mm-hmm. yes. swords. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see somebody taking one off. Nice. No, that will like. definitely be my. Why are like these awards?
2: Yeah. They should be merchandise. No, well, it's, it's, one, it's one point. If, if you're an American, mm. and it, how are you going to get it through customs?
3: Huh? I need to enter yeah. this just so I can win it, just so I can have one of these. So, so, cool. so your plan
0: <laughs> is to write a series of epic fantasy novels. It wasn't my plan, was well, it? It is now. In order to to arm yourself up, so you can turn, yeah. so you can turn up to the ceremony and go in, go in swinging. <laughs>
3: now, if you're going to storm a stage, do it properly. Are you are listening, you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is it, though. I mean, you know, it, because this is a fantasy award. So what we need now is a sci-fi award that gives you a phaser. No, no, no. oh, and yeah. then, and then we can have the final. You know, if we can both have them at nine worlds, we can have like the final, the final battle. <laughs> I tell you
1: what, if that's going to happen, I'm going to start writing sci-fi and encourage somebody to make real life-size Daleks as the award, and then I can hide inside them. I can be like a, a battle robot or something. You get them, don't
2: oh, you? Oh, know, yes. SF Ball. Oh, real life-size
0: Dalek. Oh, that was the uh, we did SF Ball earlier this year. And that was one of the most surreal convention experiences I've ever had, which was seeing, because it's got lots of, it's very good for accessibility, the Southampton site that they do this on. It's quite compact, but it's really accessible for everyone. And we saw this Dalek screaming running down the corridor, <laughs> and there were two uh, two people in wheelchairs, both dressed as the doctor, with... with <laughs> <laughs> with Sonic screwdrivers, fantastic pointed out and the Dollar was <laughs> being chased and then there was a moment where the Dalek was chasing them up and down the corridor <laughs> as well and uh, we were sitting we were sitting at the desk because we were doing, we were handing out copies of Starburst magazine uh, the, the radio book web brought to you by Starburst magazine of course, of course. Uh, and we were trying desperately to keep a straight face and I think we lasted for about a second <laughs> and then, and then yeah. just started chuckling if
1: I, if I had the money to do it I would definitely cosplay these things as Davros but I'd do it properly I'd have the whole makeup, and because Davros in any media is my favourite villain of all time and I would definitely mm. do it if I had the money to do it properly like thousands of pounds to make the mm.
0: I'd want to be a tauntaun rider from Star Wars with like an anim- animatronic tauntaun like um Bernie like Clifton. Like Bernie Clifton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the legs hanging on one side. Oh, that's, you that, win everything. That's the most ingenious idea I've ever heard. And I have a pair of you as well. And then what you want is you want a thing where you can just put it in its head so you can get the, the head to lick people and just really gross <laughs> them out. It's exactly, you know. But I mean, I have to have stilts. It'd be quite, it'd be quite yeah. difficult to do. So that's something you have to look into
1: now. I'm going to be looking that. For that, at every convention I ever see you at,
0: <laughs> there's a there's a uh, we've gone totally off the hook of books, but never mind. Um, there is a you know how you get the final first for the Stormtroopers. Yeah, there's also the the rebel, le, rebel Legion, who are the the polar opposite, and for some reason they also do aliens so they do anything that isn't anything that isn't bad guys. Mm. Um, is counted as one of theirs. So they're, for some bizarre reason, they're responsible for wampers. So the, the, there's wampers costumes, and people wander around, and they have their you know their authentic set of wampers costume. Where yeah. around. But you've you Chaos would, neutral. seen you would Yes, I suppose. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know if there is a monster manual. <laughs> 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 Shall we talk
2: about
0: the event that? Yes, we, we really should. So well, we have been a bit. It's been cosplay and wampers, you know. Awards. And awards. Awards. So and axes, axes. Um, so yes, so nine Worlds It started on Four's Day, mm-hmm. which on the programme they called Four's Day for some reason because it was comics.
3: Oh, that's good because Four turned up uh, quite a bit in the panels. Oh, I was I was at one in fact.
0: There's, a, there's at least two two fours and at least two different types of Lokis There's a Lady Loki and there's, there's there's a Loki Loki.
3: Yeah, there was a Four versus Four panel which I attended, which was very very good. Um, our, um, our our friend John uh, Big Bad John, in fact, uh, from The Missing Monkey, was uh, the uh, coordinator of that. So. Oh.
0: Uh, I, I gathered because he was doing the whole heathenry versus comic books
3: yes. side of things. Uh, it, was, it was it was very it, it was very entertaining. I missed this. I don't, I don't know about this one.
0: No. It was it was four, versus 4 four, so it was Nordic 4 versus comic book four. As I, and he was doing a compare and contrast. Yeah. And he was ex- explaining. He was, yeah. as I understand it from what John, because John talked to me about it later, yeah. he was yeah. explaining the, the the kind of the back and forth of the two and the various arguments that fans have against each other about
3: it. It was lovely because there was absurdity on both sides, and there was awesome on both sides, and there, so where, where there were there were parts where the, they were just having fun, met, with it. you know. So, um, one of my favourite things being the example of, you know, the many powers of the Marvel Hammer to um, make Thor fly, um, in, uh, that, including making him fly, whereby you know the uh, the, the uh, deity four had a, um, a had a sleigh and two um, and two again very metal named um, <laughs> animal companions who could fly. And, you know, I can't remember their names now, but they were awesome. The,
0: the the thing that always made me laugh about Thor in the comics this is 60's four, so this is early four is that he was obsessed with being Donald for, because of the way Stanley wrote him he was obsessed with his secret identity yeah Donald Blake Donald Blake yeah. I thought I
1: so, am
3: going to say Donald Trump for a minute fool of me
0: so he would do this thing where he, he lived in a high rise in New York City and he would fly as four to high rise and obviously people would be like that's Donald Blake's house what is four doing in Donald Blake's house <laughs> <laughs> so four had a series of four dolls of like life-sized four mannequins that and he the didn't had, hide them in the window had, that he had dressed up as four, and then he would turn just before he turned into Donald Blake to, to do you know his doctor stuff. He would take the four mannequin and fling it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so people could see. So somewhere in my head, there's like a Polynesian <laughs> island somewhere <coughs> with pile of fours. pile of fours <laughs> just <laughs> landing.
2: So uh, what he should have done is put like a, one of those um, tracking chips in them and then if you've just like gone and collected them later
0: but it yeah. would be a transistor because it's 60s yeah. and and the, the thing is Stanley didn't know what transistors actually did uh, <laughs> he didn't understand I, it I, at I, all I, I,
1: I can't believe you're applying logic to this
4: situation <laughs> at all <Sorry. laughs> i just like the idea of Thor
0: tidying up all his
3: mannequins at the end of each day out to the hair right to the
4: helmet on fix the dollies yeah
3: one of the greatest department stores that ever existed <laughs> <laughs> the Thor
0: store ah, the Thor store
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is I, I, I miss Donald Blake I used to read the Thor comics when I was younger and slightly older as well and I, I, I thought some of the most interesting stories came out with Thor's reconciliation between being this god and, and trying to be the normal person you know
3: I suppose thankfully we've got enough um, superheroes that are doing that sort of thing So Yeah, you know.
0: but I mean he was doing it from the 60s, you know, he was there yeah. sort of in this golden age I, th- I think over the time they got a better idea as to what they wanted to do with the character and what they wanted to do, you yeah. know, there wasn't a crisis identity drama it was more, you know, flying around in space and punching punching Galactus,
3: yeah. so and, and to I suppose increase the distance between the um, a bit between the um, the The Norse gods and the
0: standards and they, they, they can't get the and the the we have here. And it made, made him feel more like a, it does now so should he he's more of a god and feels more like a godlike character who has an entire family of other gods and he goes drinking with gods. I was like that before. It's like Yes, yes heroes, I understand who you are but I also have friends in a social life and a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've saved New York, that's lovely, but I'm i have got a friend who is the shape and size of a ball and he, he drinks like well Nothing on earth. Yeah, literally. Uh, I'm going to go and get absolutely slaughtered with him. And he having to
1: hide all those dinner parties, and that, that having to deal with the guilt, knowing that he's not inviting all his god friends to come and have the, the <laughs> social interactions that he's having with all these parties, and having to keep quiet. And somebody's going to find out about that, like Heimdall or something, because he sees everything. <laughs> and when, when Thor comes back across the Rainbow Bridge next time, he's going to say, "No, I won't tell the others." But next time you're having a party slip me an invite and I'll be alright I'll be cool around around your friends why would you not invite Heimdall he's like a DJ and everything well the, this is it Heimdall is now Idris Elba Heimdall is Luther and, and the coolest man on the planet
0: I just got this image of some random S.H.I.E.L.D. accountant because you've got the there's got to be the accountants of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> um, you know he's, he's you know he's chatting over and us like well you know you, you've done me a solid on my taxes uh, <laughs> How, and he's like, "Well, can I, you know, can we go out clubbing?" And he's like, "Well, I've got plans. Yes, why not?" Do you know, <laughs> like, for some <laughs> reason, this
3: TV series idea, the pitch just ended up on the floor.
1: Somewhere. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is, it's, I've worked places where accountants who accountants for companies are notoriously tight, and they have to be to look after the money. But I've worked at places where the accountants have held back on everybody's um, overtime pay for that month to make a little bit more money in the bank account and sort of got in trouble for it and they've had to write checks for people but it's kept the money in one place I can't imagine that anyone would have the balls to do that in S.H.I.E.L.D. can you imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> <laughs> Black Widow kind of knocking on the office about my overtime this month you know? <laughs> <laughs> did get to a fair to fuel yeah. so the
0: yeah. dispute it, to... it's the fact that it's like, did you submit, submit your, your, your expenses yes they appeared in your desk and you have no idea how <laughs> Bearder. Uh, ninja accounts. Oh my goodness. This is like we know you overspent. We ah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know that claim is slightly fortunate.
0: Not only have we shot you, but we've also charged you for the bullet.
3: This <laughs> is before we've
0: even brought Hydra into this. <laughs> and, and, and yet again, nine worlds. <laughs> nine worlds. <months. laughs> so, um, actually, what we've just done there, he said desperately groping for a theme um, <laughs> is actually what Nine Worlds is about because I, I, I worked this out I was having a chat mm. in one of the many queues that you get at Nine Worlds now yeah, because yeah. the venue is the, it, the event has outgrown the venue but I'll put yes, so as well. that yeah, and up. that's a good thing it's but getting, getting bigger. the vibe of the event is this the, the, there's two, two vibes that are going on and one's really good and one's not so good but the vibe of the event is this it's that 3 o'clock in the morning conversation that you had with friends with different opinions about how Star Trek and Star Wars were an elaborate metaphor for the Second World War. And even mm-hmm. though they're not, uh, and it's that conversation, you know, those conversations yeah. that you have that are completely gold and they, they shape and reform your opinions. Yeah,
3: um, this is the thing I was going to mention about the. Um, that, um, that panel we've just mentioned, that panel I just mentioned was actually on the religion track uh, now. Um, for those of you who haven't been to Nine World's or don't know about it, the um, the entire convention is split into tracks in terms of uh, in, in terms of uh, reading type So there's almost the, 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 there's a it's it's not so much subgenres; it's more subjects really. Yeah, themes. Um, yeah, themes. So there's a written, um, so there's a religion theme which it's um, actually been <coughs> um, the track I've been on uh, the track the panels I've been on. there have been excellent. Uh, race and culture which I've actually uh, sat on some panels for during this Uh, writing is one of the panels we know there's others there's plenty there's lots of others there's Doctor Who's got his own Um, knitting knitting (laughs) there's a a Star there's
0: there's a Star Trek channel Channel yeah that's actually really good um, I like that the uh, creative writing, creative writing. Yep. Yeah. Yes. all of the books all, the books. all the of the books all of the books all of the books is huge it is like two half tracks it in its own actually kind of, again veering it's tangent the thing of all the books is it is the biggest mm. of the, the whole mm. thing and this feels much the thing is the grandfather of genre is, is, is books we are yeah. a bookshop uh, and you know, it is the grand grandpappy. You don't, you would not get Star Wars if it wasn't for Edgar Rice Burroughs, Lensman, Lensman. Yeah, the the, the 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 family of the, the entire family of sci-fi. Every every single piece of movie or audio or comic book that you love owes it's owes a debt to the, the sci-fi authors. Yeah, um, from from the turn of the last century onward. Um I mean, we all owe a debt, a debt to to Frankenstein, which is the first scientific novel, and I will, I, I will have a wrestling match for anyone who disagrees. I um, will <laughs> lose, but still, uh, that's the principle. That, uh, you know, it all comes back to the books so it makes sense that the books are the big, yeah, the, the, the big channel. On the other hand, there is, it does seem to be dominated by one or two major publishers. And it's the larger publishing voices.
2: It's interesting because I actually thought there was slightly more publishers here this year than last. Because We came last year um, and regular this is maybe cool.
1: I, I seem to be uh, introduced to a lot of people from other publishers this year as well. Yeah, there's, there's a lot
2: more publishers with a presence, I think, this year. There's been uh, certainly sort of later on meetings, there's been quite a few little sort of launch parties for various yeah. forthcoming products that various publishers
1: have. So <clears throat> there hasn't been a dealer room as such No Which is, which is where you get
3: the independent publishers yeah. the It's years. been kind of a floating dealer room really Some markets have sprung been, up now and again and There's, there's been
2: a stall all weekend That's been here all yeah, weekend yes. And then there's about another four or five That have come on t- for today And yeah I
1: I, I miss, I miss that. I'd like Because when you're kind of in that gap in the day it's always nice to go because yeah, you walk around a hundred times, and there's always something you missed before. Right, you like to have a calming
3: little half an hour let us move around and make, uh, a few make, maybe sense. buy some stuff while in between yeah. in, in between the talks.
2: I think the feedback from last year I think was that a lot of the vendors said they didn't take much money until the Sunday, which is why this year they've done the pop up on Sunday. Right. But what I think happens psychologically with people is as you've just said in the gaps between the sessions which are a good 30 minutes if not more depending on when in the day it is you go in on the Friday, Saturday you look at the stuff you kind of clock it in your brain as to what you yeah. have to do has got a limited pool of money yeah. and on the Sunday it's, you go and buy right so, so it, I wonder if it's going to be a drop off it
1: will be interesting to see if just coming on the Sunday works as well as it did because you, you're absolutely right I, I do it myself you kind of how much money have I got left after the tenth load of booze that you have over the weekend and you know, the other th- hassle with that is of course if you've got a one day ticket
0: the
3: odds are on the weekend you're going to have it as the Saturday so if you're not trading on the Saturday
0: there's, there's also yeah. there's also the mothership thing it happens with traders which is see we See, you are a small, very animal-based uh, <laughs> publisher. Um, the popular in the UK, and you, you're well known for your for your authors who all work together and cooperate. Very regimented so, yeah, yeah. yes. Um there. It's very, yes. Teddy bear books. <laughs> <Yes.
1: laughs> uh, I have no idea where this is going, but I'm fascinated.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Say you are a small press publisher and you've got five or six authors who have turned up to help you sell books. They've got a place that they can sit and hang out and they will hang out and then they will go and they will volunteer for panels and they'll be on panels and they'll be the small press voice for panels and they'll be doing that the entire weekend. And you, you essentially have a place where the, the smaller press types can, can, can relax and descend upon. One of the things we... Myself and producer Al have done as trainers in the past. Is you kind of your stall becomes your mothership, yeah. and there always has to be someone on that stall, but the rest of you are engaging, getting involved, doing stuff, doing various bits and pieces. Yeah. And you kind of, if, if it's only for and Forbidden Planet, totally do that by the way. Forbidden Planet have authors here who are doing talks and doing various bits and pieces, and they, they're they using you know, it's a drop off, picking up and dropping off point for, for people. And that's one of the other things that we we don't. If you if you've not been a trader, you don't know you don't realise how useful it is to actually have a like a a, a public yeah.
3: station. I certainly know how useful it is just from a point of view of having finished a panel. Where can we get your stuff? And I have yeah. to sort of refer them to many online things because I'm, I'm not necessarily carrying
1: around a box of books at the time. Sometimes yeah. I am. Sometimes I'm not. It's just. I um I, I didn't help myself out very well once with that last year. It was at Nine Worlds actually. Um, it was the uh, the opening panel. I was the moderator on it, and it was a it was a great panel. It was a good laugh. I was kind of sweating and nervous all the way through it, but it, it went very well. Do you remember? I that? saw that panel. Yeah. The, yeah, but the thing. Oh, I that was <coughs> the first time I met you. You kind <coughs> of saw me afterwards. Um. But the thing that I forgot to tell that great big lovely room of people was that directly after that panel I was going up to the Forbidden Planet room to do a signing, which my publisher had arranged for the stock to get there earlier. early, yeah. um, So I could sign it, so I went and sat upstairs and I had forgotten to tell everybody on the planet that I was going to be there so nobody turned up. One person turned up and asked me to sign his
0: Kindle. Excellent. Actually, actually, actually that's I always find that if you want your Kindle signed... Then that's very significant because it's a Kindle signing.
1: How
2: and
0: do you sign a Kindle? You sign the back of it.
2: Okay,
1: oh, oh, wow. it
0: and that's it. That's, that's sign. it. You own that Kindle now. you
3: signed it. Uh, it, it, it <laughs>
0: you, you've, you've signed a Kindle, but you've only really got so much space on a Kindle to sign yeah. it. So, like to use up a Kindle slot because oh. you've used up a Kindle oh. slot. Oh. That's, that's not. Oh, yeah. so what you mean is that it was extra special. Because it was extra yeah. special. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's a Kindle slot. You only have, like, you know, you, you've only got, like, what? If they write really small, maybe maybe 10, maybe 12? No, I, I did a, right across the I whole thing so nobody could fit anything else on the So hey, I should be boasting out, you, to you. Me, you <laughs> <your words. laughs> <laughs> own that that,
1: that that is a special edition right there.
0: But, and there's authors who will refuse to sign Kindles as well. Is there really? Yeah. Um, Do you um, know the reason why? Um, it's diverse. Some of them. Okay. If you, some of them feel uncomfortable because it's a piece of equipment right. they don't want to damage it and yeah. they don't want to be liable to damage it and some of them really just don't like e-books oh, uh, okay. and we'll just say or, or don't like Amazon and we'll just say no, actually, yeah. Yeah, okay. buy, buy my book and I'll sign your book but not the e-book
1: Something. it's interesting what you're saying um, <clears throat> about getting people here and publishers having their office here I kind of turn up because I, I want to enjoy the convention and I always throw my hat in the ring and I'm lucky enough to pick up a couple of panels, maybe a signing or a reading or, or, or whatever else. But I, I, what I love the most about Nine watts is that there's a there's a level ground. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the same, and everything always ends up back in the bar at <laughs> the end of the night, and you can just talk to whoever is there. So, how does it
2: work from your point of view? Do you, do you approach the conventions on talk about coming, or does your publisher kind of try and set something up? I
1: think there's a there, there's a there's communication um, between. Uh, publishers and the convention I mean I'm always happy to do stuff I I kind of like like engaging but I think I think there has to be a process in there somewhere because there's so many people that put their hat in the ring you know I I don't envy the people and I know some of the people who have arranged the, the, the panels and that kind of thing and it must be have like having to do the seating arrangements for a thousand weddings at once. You know, it must be a really complicated process. I,
0: I have the the joy, the, the wonderful privilege, privilege, and it is a privilege of being a spice that goes with most things. Uh, I was described by a convention organizer of going, "Don't worry, you'll definitely be on several panels because we can put you anywhere because you're a genre journalist. You'll just fit." <laughs> yeah, um,
2: yeah. I've been on three panels this weekend which are all in fanfics and nothing clashed. Um, have you had anything on different tracks? Or have you been all I've, been on, I've
0: been on a whole load of different tracks because yeah, I haven't spiced Yeah, nothing has clashed, has it, because they managed
2: so, to, again, arrange it very cleverly.
0: You, yeah. you, 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 you keep a, a communication. So my schedules were coming back. I was telling everyone else who'd expressed an interest mm. where I was, and the Star Trek track were like, we want you for every... Oh! <laughs> um, so, um, a man in demand. But the... F- thing I was going to get to, because this is important, is that we've almost got to pass the middle of the show. We haven't talked about your book yet, Ed. Oh, uh, this, this is dangerous territory. <laughs>
1: already, and so I, invented. It, if my editor is listening to this now, he's already looking down at his feet, shaking his head, because we've got this thing. It's like an ongoing joke for me, but I, I think he wants to strangle me for it. And, <laughs> and Marcus, Marcus Gibbs of Galantz, if you're listening, I I, I apologise in advance because we have this thing he, he, he's tried to train me to talk about the book to keep it really really short when I talk about it but the thing is he has to cut me off eventually otherwise I would just keep talking for three days straight and I've not learned how to condense it down into you know
0: well I'm only a small radio show so <laughs> <laughs> so um, you are up for a British Fantasy award for the yeah, Wallet
1: Guild that came out of the blue of me what an honour I was I um, was Strange thing about that, I, I'd, I'd gone out for breakfast with my wife, and the place where we were at I had absolutely no reception on my phone.
0: And so we, <laughs>
1: we came, we came out and started driving somewhere else. And once I got my reception back, um, my phone was going mad with all these messages and stuff. And I had a message from uh, Marcus saying, "Either pick up your phone or call me now." And I was thinking, "What's going on?" So I called him and I found out about it, and it was brilliant. I, I couldn't believe it. It's great news um, massive surprise yeah I
0: don't know I've gone shy on you now <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's uh, I mean we've talked about I think we've talked about it three weeks straight now the, the British fantasy because it's such yeah. a good list yeah um, and it's like every once in a while the, the community surprises you by actually being what you wanted to be because it's kind of the theme of the show where you sit there and go oh why? Why are these people arguing with these people? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while it goes on. Actually, th- this is why you know this us. is cool. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's such a, I mean, we we we, one of these days we'll get him on the show. But we tease tease Lavity Dot on the show um, because he's a very successful author. Yeah. He's a very very talented author, and uh, we do like to. To, to, has to he been here this weekend? He has been.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, he was on. A, he was actually, talking about 9 Roads of and panels. I saw a fantastic panel with um, JJJ, uh, who's an agent and an e- e- Egyptologist. An agent, as in a notebook agent, rather than a spy. Yeah. Though I can well believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lowell Keir Hamilton, uh, Lavittidar, uh, Lavi uh, Sarah Lotts, and Zen Cho. Yes. All on one panel
1: was this the um, you know, the resurgence in gothic literature? gothic literature yeah, yeah I, was, I couldn't uh, get into that really. it, it <coughs> was
0: cracking yeah I think it the, was because I mean Lowell King Hamilton was on fire not literally though you know if anyone could pull that off and survive it would it's be possible yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know and they were just bantering it backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and um, t uh, pulled out his, his, his classic well, this the, this thing like someone turned around and said this book that you wrote isn't it quite gothic and he's like it's not really genre and all the other authors just defed, descended upon him <laughs> oh then yes then, it is oh, no, no it, it isn't is. yeah.
3: <laughs> he,
1: his ability to stir up something is effortless on his part he's fantastic at it
0: yeah I, I do think he does it on purpose but it does amuse me endlessly at the same time yeah also.
1: he is a, he's a funny guy he is
0: um, but yeah, I mean that that was a that was a good highlight for me. Um, the first I kicked off Nine Rules in style on the Friday by going to a Tolkien panel. Uh, and literally I literally was like, I have got to go to a panel. I've got to start. I've got to start Nine Rules. Yeah. So I went to uh, Fellowship of the Fans, and what I was expecting because the blurb was a bit vague and it was a bit kind of you know fans talk about Tolkien. I was like, I can always leave if it's. And they had these four people and it had so you had um, a gay chap who identified very strongly with Sam ok you had a lady who um, identified quite strongly with Arwen and was a fan of Arwen and you had this uh, bearded um, trans person who was all about the dwarves all about the dwarves all about the dwarves and the other thing I'm giving them very big sketches to give you an idea as to that was the least relevant thing about the panel the fact that they'd all studied through the lens of the, through the lens of their own identities, so they'd all studied talking. Yeah. Okay. So they they, they they had their identity and they would studied this kind of you know tra- translated it through, and mm. it was like they talked about racism and you know the inherent problems with certain races and the inherent problems with yeah. Races. I had to bring that up briefly on one of my panels as well. So. <laughs> and it was just this. Amazing kind of deconstruction of Tolkien, and I was like, I never saw it that way. I never even considered. And I'm not going to go into specifics because was it kind of deconstructed as
1: as problems as well as negatives as well as positives? Yes, yeah. negatives as well.
0: Very much looking at the negatives yeah. and saying, oh, okay. just because we have to, you know, just because we have to hunt and we can find this example of this being here, yeah. it doesn't make it okay that it's there. And then as fan fiction writers and as fans and all the rest of it, you know, what could we do? What can we do? What did what did Peter Jackson get right? What could he have done better? Yeah. And, you know, what did he ignore and why do we think he ignored
3: it? One of those things where accuracy isn't necessarily helpful for a modern
0: audience. Is really, yes, yeah. I, but some very interesting perspectives on, um, you know, being a 1930s English gentleman. And the dwarves and negative trait, traits associated with the dwarves that were prevalent in the real world with, other, you know, with real people, and you're like, oh, I hadn't considered that. That's interesting. And then clearly, as his writing evolves, you see that he's changed his mind and he understands things better, and he's realised that he's maybe made a mistake with the, the, you know, because it's a reflection. You know, all writing is a reflection of really who So that's like. Might explode. Yeah. So, so did you get that effect? Sorry, or? I was just
1: listening in fascination to what you were saying. Did I get that effect on yeah. some of the panels that I went to? Yes. Um, I, I went to a, a nice panel on um, myths, um, which had uh, John Harris on it, Peter Newman. Um, my memory tr- struggling. Emma Newman was was moderating, um, and that that was kind of quite interesting. Where we discover this. These stories, like Nor- Norse mythology, those stories, how they kind of came from the oral tradition into words and got written down, they're sort of our stories, and they kind of get um, recycled, yeah. in terms of you know the, the, there's a model there for, I think a lot of stories that's going on, and it's kind of quite interesting hearing the difference of opinion, you know, because they're all, all, of, all, all of them are tapped into those. Those areas for inspiration, you know, probably um, most probably by Joan Harris, who had the Gospel of Loki, which is a great book, which I really really enjoyed. But uh, and in that struggling with um, people who see the Gospel of Loki and go by the book looking for Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> you know, and no, this this is kind of a reflection of the the, the Edda, and the, this is traditional stuff, so.
3: Whereas other people would very much look at uh, Loki from his very prominent position in the trickster archetype.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, some people, for some people,
0: Loki is the, the Marvel character. But they've, they've, they've I mean, it, it's one of the common things they do at nine worlds with the religion taxes is they'll sit there and they'll go, "Actually, you can have a pantheon based on the DC heroes." Yeah. And they've they, they've done talks and panels, which are which are along those lines. Genuinely, there are people who who will turn around and say, "Actually, my pantheon is yeah. Superman as Zeus." And why not? And why not? Everyone
3: yeah. has their own Loki, in the same way everyone has their own Commander Shepard.
4: I'm <laughs> just saying that 100 years ago it was all about seeking out adventures, and then 100 years before that it was about battles, and all, and even they had in Iceland to beef up uh, the idea of accepting Christ, they would have uh, Jesus Christ carrying Thor's hammer.
1: Yeah, you yeah, the yeah, well, yeah. That we about
4: spoke about that. Yeah. Was you there? That was everywhere? in that. One. Oh, okay. That was one I sort of. That's amazing. Yeah, yes, you could yeah. see images of him carrying Thor's hammer.
0: That's that's a, that's a superhero team up, yeah. right there. Absolutely. Asylum, it
1: It's a matter <laughs> of time. Kind of converting people
0: to Christianity and that kind of thinking how yeah. they sort of absorbed. That would convert me to the Norse pantheon. No, it's yeah. like you know. All oh, right, so so that's what I wanted. It'll be my own thing you can imagine can't you
3: it makes a huge deal of sense actually I am just trying to picture it that was you know that, that happening as a sort of propaganda of the
1: day yeah it's <laughs> also, you could also imagine a really bad Hollywood movie coming out of that where it's kind of Bruce Willis or something and you kind of get to crucifixion day and they say you need a hammer I'll give you a hammer do you know and kind of you from can the imagine people. the trailer do you know what I yeah, mean from, from the people who brought you Abraham Lincoln
0: Vampire Hunter <laughs> which is a really good book I <laughs> really liked it so I've,
1: I've always liked the look of that I haven't read it yet but I've always liked the, the look of the book
0: um, Del read it Del, Del, Del infected the team with it I believe and she was like this is great and you're we like really <laughs> um so, so what, what were your highlights for? Uh,
4: there was a a really good one about dystopia versus utopia and there was Stephanie Salter and Jeff Ryman and Professor Hay was on it and actually they were talking about although dystopias are really popular they can be actually seen as ways to control people because you're sort of saying this is a whatever you think about now things would actually be an awful lot worse they, they are and they encouraged The Lone Wolf and they were talking a lot more about why don't we do utopias and the, the common thought is well utopias are going to be quite boring and they said we're actually if you just dial it down and say well oh, utopia is just going to have a new set of problems yeah. it's actually building people towards something Interesting.
0: I, I saw that that, that talk yes. and one of the one of the line, the standout line I took from that is every dystopia is a utopia for someone yes and it's just like Oh my goodness! Because nineteen eighty four is a utopia for the people who are in charge of the party. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and, Truist, like, and yeah, um, and true one, one with that was I can try trying to remember the season of Buffy now, but um, yeah, the, it, the the the, uh, the big gap the, the big the big bad that season could have been perceived as the big good, but no, there was just there was that 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 price to pay just was too was just too great. Yeah. Would that be the mayor? Oh no, not the mayor. The um, uh, the uh, well, um, oh, what's her name? Too uh, much
0: wine, much? <laughs>
3: no, she's Glory. Not Glory. The, the professor in the- Um, she's Zoe in Firefly. Oh, oh
0: that's Angel.
1: Yes, yes. that sort of angel.
0: There you we have go. Five minutes of the show left. Whoa!
3: Okay.
1: Wow, that's two, a two. real professional sign that just got held up.
3: So there you go. <laughs> I've just, uh, I, I, I've just made, I, I've just made the Buffyverse really, really angry by getting my shows wrong. But that's fine. I'm, I'm moving my chair point. away from you right it, now. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it was, the, but the point was there. You know,
1: it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you do see it, and you see it in a brave new world. Samyattins, yeah. um, we, you know, the, the segregation and what, what means what utopia means to certain people you just laughed at me I, it's, <laughs> you just laughed
0: because you you, you you got Zanathson's name right because um, I had spent a lot of my teenage years not being because I'd read it was totally absorbed by it and could just not pronounce it uh, and I was like it's called We <laughs> it's yeah, by some well, submission list, guy at
1: least you had the title my uh, by by my old lecturer at university you suggested the book to me it's told me it was called If Oh, and you cannot find a book by Sami Atinuke. That's a different <laughs> so I said, well, yeah, well, "Does this book exist?" And then he realised this mistake.
0: I, um, I, I was 16, and I was handed an Oxford University Press copy of 1984. And basically, uh, the sort of English teacher was like, "Read that fortune, write, an e- write these three essays, and come back to me by." And he was that sort of a yeah, English teacher. Was very good English teacher, actually. Uh, I read it, and then I read all the stuff in the index. I came back and I went, "You've he, kind of broken me, sir." Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, I, I read. I, I kind of devoured a whole Lord anti-Utopian yeah. books. Well, the very. Uh, I, I, I think I'm pretty sure to this day, 1984, to my mind, might be the greatest novel I've ever read. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely science fiction. <laughs> Absolutely, what it's the job of science fiction. And again, I will. I will. I, I will, anyone who is in charge of the Booker Prize, I will, I will have a wrestling match. I'll probably win because I'm slightly larger than I've got be. this, I,
4: I just want to see you having a wrestling match with someone. You. Know. Next year's Nine Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> is
2: a animal,
3: Hashtag <laughs> Wrestled.
0: There's a thing that Nine Worlds doesn't do. What? Wrestling? Wrestling.
3: Actually, yeah, because it's it, it, very much a fandom.
0: It's very yeah, much a fandom, then. it's very much got a narrative it's very much it doesn't stand
3: right Um, oh if you're listening anybody or any organisers and you want to do one next year sign me up
0: it's the (laughs) weirdest and I don't know I don't know if you're engaged at all with any of the wrestling stuff but one of the weirdest things I I found as a genre journalist is that you keep finding wrestling fans like you can't move for wrestling fans really? right? people who are massively into Star Wars but also massively into wrestling is this the WWWF well yeah. That's yeah. Part,
3: WWE is part of it yeah, yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's narrative it's freeform improvisational combat narrative
3: and if you ever want to leap in on this there's a wonderful Max Landis YouTube video, uh, YouTube video which talks about the wrestling
0: narrative Wrestling uh, in Wrestling yeah. by Max Landis uh, Max Landis every once in a while he'll do an essay uh, he's the he's uh, he's obviously um, the son of Landis um, yeah. you know he's, he's this script writer and everyone so he did uh, The Death of Superman as a, as a physical essay and he, he got all his friends run around dressed as really bad versions oh, of superheroes he did wrestling and wrestling where he got a bunch of friends who just also happened to be models to be all the various wrestlers <laughs> and went through Triple H's life history, um, his
3: character arc history in the and space of several minutes and it was a delight and he
0: explained why the narratives and the storylines were yeah. and one of, the lines he, one of the lines he comes out with is like, wrestling's not real, really what, you mean the character of the Undertaker who is an undead zombie from beyond the grave, he's not real is <laughs> he <Yeah. laughs> and was like no, and it's like and I from that from that because I'm fascinated with stories it's why I do a book show, it's why I do comic books it's why I do all, all that I do I started watching it I was like, actually if you get past the fact that it's yeah. guys in underpants running around well
1: I've never I've never been into it but now that you mention it it kind of makes sense and I don't know why I've never noticed that. start with that start with that YouTube video series.
0: start with that and then watch Wrestlemania yeah this year's I'm Wrestlemania like, will tell will give you an idea as to as well. the theatre, because it's theatre oh, yeah, absolutely. and I, I couldn't do it every week but every once in a while I'm just like look, that, guy, that guy's got a cape on and he's, he's having an argument with this other to guy who's from comp- like, uh, to be Why? fair,
3: neither can the show writers do it every week, when they get it right it <laughs> yeah. is it's, absolutely
0: it's TV fact, gold it's the fact that one of the, one of the superheroes I'm doing air quotes, sorry radio uh, it's the fact <laughs> that one of the superheroes is called Neville um, yeah. No. Is he the Geordie? He's the Jordi And he's, oh, still, he's, he's still got a touch of uh, Chillingham Road to his voice as well. <laughs> so he's, he's got that like Jordy rogue. And he clearly has no idea what's going on half the time. And there's this wonderful moment where he's just like throwing this guy out the ring. And then like, you know, the lights flash and there's a huge screen appears for him. And like his full, his arch enemy appears and he appears room. And uh, like his fool, his arch enemy appears and goes, nah, ha, 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 you have defeated my minion, but you will not defeat me. And this guy's face, what? <laughs> what? Such he's one of the most lauded low- low- talents in the business. But look. but but he's also a phenomenally tan- talented yeah. wrestler and also a very good improvisational actor, which you kind of have to be. But, um, we've strayed massively off every single topic. week we have have we run out of time well, is we've awesome. almost
2: run out of time given that nobody has yet stuck their head in the door we can go oh, more
0: minutes <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe. everybody's
2: best session of the weekend or favourite or Ooh, oh, <sighs> do you know
1: do you know what I'm this is going to sound like I'm being cheeky but I'm not but there's something that surprised me last night after the Gemmell Awards um, there was Legends 2 was launched which is the book of short stories that oh, yeah. Ian Waits does from the Newcom Press that raises money for the, the Gemma Awards and that was launched officially straight after the Gemma Awards last night and there was a whole load of people turned up for it and bought the book and there was, uh, there was me, there was Gav Forpe, Gavin Smith and John Quinn and we were sit- sitting there at a signing table and there were so many people turned up for it and bought the book and I was so surprised because it was Saturday night it was half past nine everybody was in the bar they didn't have to alright free wine might have, might, might have drew some in yeah. but <laughs> I just didn't expect that many people to turn up at that time at the convention and so word had spread about this thing that was going to happen and people wanted the stories the, the book to give money to the General Awards whatever and that that's that's kind of one of my favourite moments because it surprised me so much that's I thought much. it was going to be the four of us sitting there Swiddling our our sharpies, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> and dead fortune that that moment shows me is sharpie. Make of that what you will.
3: Us <laughs> uh, nightmare Life The oh. opportunity to see that. I, 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 will, I will be gushing about this for for months. It was just amazing. Every um, not 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 only a chance to see a live show. Uh, well. Of, of one of my favorite things as a, as a kid the harshest TV the harshest TV children's TV show uh, that um, I remember before uh, and that came along and um, <laughs> yeah also uh, uh, and, and also a uh, poker fun at every other uh, 80s TV show that I ever
0: remember
4: Buchanan Buchanan <laughs> <laughs> this will
0: make no sense if you've not seen that live yeah um,
4: I didn't get to that but I did get to a why a horror one with Francis Harding and Sarah Lotz oh yes uh, so I guess, and everyone got around in a circle and managed
3: to scare each other senseless oh I also wanted to mention Fifty Shades of Webster which was a uh, uh, which was a um, slam poetry story session session led by a chap called James Webster absolutely brilliant small um, small room uh, thorough audience interaction Hilarious as hell
0: I got to sit with James Wallace And eight other nerds And play the Baron and Chazan game. game nice. Which is a game of Spontaneous storytelling You've not played it Essentially um, you have coins And you use the coins to interject And interrupt people, other people's stories okay. and You play to your left So you turn around to the person to your left And say, so Baron, tell us about the time That you had to repaint the White Cliffs of Dover Using only a toothbrush and then you have to spend you have to keep telling the story as much as you can because you want people to object and then you get more money and you win essentially objectively Um, and also the comic censorship panel which I moderated I was sweating all the way through I was like this is going to be hard work and it was in fact amazing so um, i have we ran out of time we have run out
2: of time oh
0: no so it's uh, back to the studio to uh, future Ed
4: Across the world, twenty-four hours a day. This is Fab Radio
0: International. And that's the sure. show, thank you for listening.
2: The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Produced as I presented by Russell Smith and Ed Fortune, produced by A. L. Johnson.